Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my honeys, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we are discussing all things cheating. Now, I sound really excited by this. That's just because I'm excited that we're back, that it's Monday again, that you're here listening to me, that we're going on this journey together. But I am aware that for a lot of us, cheating is a particularly painful topic. And a huge part of my mission at Open House is to basically help us through the difficult things as well as the fun things. So today's topic is a little bit more upsetting, I guess. Maybe upsetting is not the right word. It might be upsetting if you've been cheated on. I actually can only imagine the implications that being cheated on might have on you. And the reason we're doing today's episode is that I looked at the web traffic on the Open House website. I looked at all of our blogs and cheating it was there at the top. And I was like, wow, this is a pain point that we're not talking about. And this is a pain point that I'm not talking about. And this is a pain point that no one ever asks me to do an episode on. But I realized that people were out there Googling this and like a lot of people were out there Googling this. So it's going on, it's going on behind closed doors. It's something that people are scared about and it's something that's happening. And honestly, it is something that I wish that all of us could avoid, like every single person who listens to this podcast, I don't want them to go through any pain, any pain, let alone heartbreak, let alone the kind of heartbreak that floors you and takes you out for like two to three years of your life minimum. Like we haven't got time for that. I mean, I definitely haven't got time for that. Also, my boyfriend is just sat on the end of the bed with me. He's on his phone, but I hope he knows what I'm saying. Did you hear that, babe? No time for cheating in this relationship, okay? He says, of course not. Perfect. Good response. Good boy. Anyway, I realized that I wanted to create something that people could understand all of the multifaceted, love that word, all of the multifaceted parts of life that can be condensed into like a clear formula so we can understand what is going on behind cheating. And of course, it's never one size fits all. It's always so nuanced. But I think there's a lot of commonalities between infidelity. So here we are. And I then spent a good few weeks basically building out something called the cheating formula. Now I researched and I researched and I researched and I read. I watched YouTube videos. I obviously went on TikTok, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. I have come up with this formula. And my whole objective around doing this was that I feel like cheating, much like falling in love with someone or actually falling out of love with someone, is very abstract and something really big happens, like something really painful happens. And it's so easy to just go to the pain, you know, like it's so easy to just go to the pain without ever actually asking about the nuances that led to the pain. 
the personality traits that led to the pain, the things that were overlooked that led to the pain, or the things that happened in our childhood that also ultimately led to the pain. You know, all of the things that built up over days, weeks, months, years, decades even in relationships that lead to the pain. And for me with cheating, that is one of the things that I've learned is there are so many things that go on behind the scenes that we often don't talk about until it's too late. So it's basically a three-part formula. And if you're in the house, if you're a premium subscriber, I'm going to give you a little PDF on this because the formula makes so much sense when it's written down. So if you want to get access to that, you can join the house through the show notes as well. But for those of you who are just listening, the formula goes something like this. First up, issues from within. So there are issues from within us, like personality traits, personality disorders, things that we're lacking or that we need more of from within us that can drive cheating. This for me is one of the most fascinating parts of cheating is that often when people cheat, and I'm talking about this from personal experience, I've done this, I was a lot younger, I've been there, but I can tell you is that at the time you think it's about the person outside of you. You think it's about them, the connection, the excitement, it has to mean something. But the truth is, and what I've realized since going to therapy, is that more often than not, it's really not about that person outside of your relationship at all. They are just a vehicle for something that is going on within you or within your relationship. So I think that is really important to consider as well, is that if you ever get anywhere close to cheating, I would just urge you before you do anything stupid to just ask yourself, what is this person making me feel? And I absolutely guarantee you that if you can do that, if you can listen to this episode, if you can ask these questions, if you can go to therapy and ask yourself what that person is making you feel, feel before you do anything out of bounds, I guarantee you that you will significantly reduce the likelihood of ruining your relationship, hurting someone else, hurting yourself, and really just fucking everything up. All because someone outside of you made you feel something that you haven't felt in a while. Okay, now we understand that the first part of the formula is stuff that comes from within us that can drive cheating. And that's mainly what we're going to focus on in today's episode. We can move into part two of the formula, issues from the relationship. This is stuff like unmet needs, physical, emotional, sustained period of time, neglect, the types of conversations, the types of communication that you're going to have in the relationship, the amount of quality time you're spending together, how emotionally close you are, how emotionally and physically connected you are your discussions around boundaries, your discussions around what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. So that is part two, issues from the relationship. And then you have part three, issues from outside of you. So this is more like the surrounding environment of you, your relationship, your partner that can lead to an increased likelihood of infidelity. And I think what's so interesting is over the next two parts of this episode, so we're going to drop one today, one later this week, we're going to go through those three parts to this formula. But what I want to conclude or what I've concluded since doing all this research is that ultimately cheating comes back to the person that is cheating. It comes back to you as an individual. And I know that this is potentially reductive, overly simplistic and a generalization, but there is an argument that if you are cheating, that you are putting your need for short-term gratification 
your need for short-term pleasure over the respect for the relationship and the respect for the other. Now, that's not to say that there can't be a number of underlying issues that have built up quickly over a long time. Like I said, it's different for everyone. And I'm not just saying that if you have a better moral compass or if you have better self-control, then no one would ever cheat. But ultimately, in that moment, when you are in a committed relationship, you get to make a decision of, am I going to do this in this moment or am I not? And in that moment, you are thinking about yourself rather than your partner. And I think the other things that I've learned is that cheating ultimately can come from a lack of self-control, a weak moral compass, as well as just general emotional immaturity, you know, being drunk, being inebriated. Again, none of these are excuses. There's no excuses for cheating. But what I hope you're going to get from this two-part cheating series is so many ways that you can self-reflect and ask yourself, would I ever do this? Is this something that might happen with me? Is this something that might happen with my relationship? Because if you can identify your pain points early on and you shine a flashlight on them and your partner does the same too, then you are one step closer to a conscious partnership where hopefully this painful, painful experience can be more likely to be avoided. Again, none of these are excuses. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we have an obligation to just be a good human in today's world. Like there are too many shitty humans out there doing awful things to the world and really, really hurting other people that we shouldn't be contributing to that. Now, if you're listening to this episode, not as a sort of planning ahead, doing some self-work so you never end up in this situation, if you are listening because it is something you've gone through, then just quickly, I want to tell you about the two PDFs that we're launching today that Terry said to me, I need to create something for people that are going through the pain of this, the pain of infidelity or the pain of potential infidelity, but they can't get access to a therapy room. Now, I'm not going to go through all of those PDFs and sell them to you because I don't need to. If you need these, they are in the show notes for you. They are on our website. There are two. One of them is called, I think my partner is cheating. What next? And this is basically the ultimate 40 page guide to helping you identify like, is this a me problem? Is this a them problem? What is going on here? What questions do I need to ask? How do I broach this situation? And we give you a ton of different soundbite scripts so you can approach a ton of different situations. The other PDF is for anyone who is really, really hurting right now. And one of Dr. Terry's areas of expertise is a 10 part list of all of the questions that have to be asked and answered and navigated between you and your partner if they have been unfaithful to you or if you have been unfaithful to them. She helps guide you on this entire process of basically deciding whether you should stay or whether you should go. There's also so much more in there, soundbite scripts, how to identify if you or your partner are a serial cheater, a repeat cheater, the difference between one-time cheating and repeat cheating. Again, this is a 39-page guide. Everything is there for you if you cannot make it into a therapy room. So both of these are linked in the show notes. But most of all, like I said, I want you to know that we are here for you. We are holding space for you. And I hope that by listening to these episodes, you can learn how you can navigate a relationship, a conscious partnership with radical communication and radical transparency, because it is through these uncomfortable conversations that we can start to build comfortable relationships. And these comfortable relationships can take you one step closer to a calm, loving, kind, reliable and stable relationship without 
infidelity. Now, let's get into the episode. If you enjoyed this, please do share it with someone who might need it. I love you guys and I'll see you on the other side. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Open House podcast with me, Louise Rumble. And today I have the incredible Dr. Terry Mack with me, clinical psychologist, celebrity relationship expert. She is the go-to on the Open House podcast for all things relationships and dating. So when it came to cheating, I knew that it was a no-brainer to ask Terry if she wanted to join me on this episode. Now, this is something that I'm fascinated about. And if you've listened to other episodes before, you will know that I have cheated in past relationships, particularly when I was younger. And it's something that took me a really long time to forgive myself for. And as you can see, when I said that, I even paused there because I do think sometimes there is a question of, have I ever actually really forgiven myself for those things that I did? But the more and more work that I've done, the more time I've spent in a therapy room, the more I've realized that cheating is actually something to be understood. And today we're going to understand it. And that's what I hope we are going to give you today is a better understanding into why people cheat, a better understanding as to why you might cheat one day, even if you think, oh, I would never, ever do that. A better understanding into why your partner might cheat, even if that is a deeply triggering sentence to say out loud, or to hear. So today I'm going to take you through the cheating formula that I built out and then I took it to the expert, the expert that knows more about this than I do. And I've asked her to add bits, to remove bits. And we have put together the ultimate guide to understanding why people cheat. Let's get into the meat of the episode, the cheating formula, why people cheat. Hi, Dr. Terry, how are you? And I guess, first of all, where do we start? Hey, Louise. I'm great. I'm so excited to do this episode because I know this is something that people experience in their relationships, cheating, betrayal. And I really am with you. I want to help people understand why this happens and hopefully give them some insight into how they can choose people differently or look for signs that might point toward cheating. Even though I do want to say we can't prevent it because we can't control anybody else. I think this cheating formula gives a lot of insight into what we do have control over. Yeah, I think there's this incredible distinction, which actually gets me a little bit trolled on TikTok sometimes when I mention it, which is that I believe that cheating can't be controlled, but that it can be avoided. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't believe that you can control someone else and control your relationship to avoid infidelity. But I do believe it can be avoided if you are in a healthy, conscious partnership that is practicing radical transparency. I'm excited to get into this today. And I'm also excited to understand how there are drivers to this that aren't just the repeated cheater. I think there are so many things that I have gone through personally when I was younger that I was able to just focus on with compassion when I understood like, oh baby, like, yeah, that's why you cheated. Like you felt so lost, so unloved, so silenced, so suppressed, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, as ever, we don't condone cheating, but we're holding space for this episode with no shame and no judgment. So I guess the first thing I want to talk with you about is like, where would you start this? Is it that you need to, as a couple, define what cheating is? Like, is that a baseline 
foundation that you see in practice that like some people consider cheating to be one thing and actually the other person doesn't consider it. So all of a sudden, oh shit, like they're cheating, but it was due to blurry boundaries. Yeah, I think so. And it can be, you know, you can talk about cheating specifically, or you can have a conversation about boundaries, you know, like what are the boundaries that you're comfortable with in our relationship? Things like hanging out with people of the the opposite sex, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, same sex, if you're in a same sex relationship and just cover all the things like texting, liking other people's pictures. There's so many nuances. And yes, I think having the conversation when you're comfortable is a great place to start. Yeah. And I also think it's really important to understand the difference between these like macro cheating and micro cheating moments. And I think that this is often where couples can find themselves in hot water because, you know, the macro cheating is like the obvious things like the physical acts or even the big emotional acts or the constant messaging. But you can also have these moments of micro, I guess, regressions or cheating, which might be, like you said, liking people's pictures that you shouldn't or being in contact with an ex. But I think the understanding that cheating comes in so many forms is a really, really good place to start. And I think, you know, having those discussions are really important. And me and my boyfriend have had that, like anyone that's in the house and that gets access to our open house premium content, Dr. Terry and I did a live stream therapy session because my boyfriend went to dinner with another woman that he didn't tell me about. And it was just a friend, but we dug into that in the live therapy session around how shit that made me feel. And that I found out from someone else that wasn't him. And he just didn't think it was a big deal at all. And to me, it really was a big deal. And that opened up the opportunity for us to discuss boundaries. And and that was one of the boundaries that a year into our relationship, we hadn't spoken about. So yeah, I love this idea of just having gentle conversation. And I also love how you said to preface the discussion as like, boundaries. I feel like that's a really lovely, like warm, compassionate way to do it rather than (laughs) doing a Louise Rumble and sitting them down and being like, okay, today we're talking about cheating. So what do you consider cheating to me? (laughs) So yeah, I love that. So I guess once you've got that baseline foundation of what you consider cheating to be, what you consider macro cheating to be, what you consider micro cheating to be, as well as understanding what your boundaries are and that you're both very happy to be on board with those boundaries, then I think we can get into the cheating formula. So the first part of the cheating formula is issues or challenges that come from within. Point one on this list is repeat cheaters, serial cheaters. So Terry, tell me a little bit more about repeat cheaters. Yeah, this one is really important because there is a certain type of personality that tends to be a serial cheater. And for those of you listening who have been cheated on multiple times, it probably means that you are attracted to people with these similar personality traits or personality disorders. So narcissism, for example, is highly linked to cheating. And why is that? Because narcissists at the core are deeply insecure. And they have little to no empathy for other people. So they are out to get their own needs met without really caring about yours, your feelings, your needs, the impact on the relationship. Another personality disorder that has a link to cheating is borderline personality. And again, there's low impulse control there, a lot of acting out, insecurity, emotional dysregulation. And so 
cheating is one of the side effects of that. So it's really important to understand that if you're with somebody who's cheated, to understand, have they done this before? And if not, do they show some of these other characteristics? Lack of empathy, impulse control, deep insecurity, which, by the way, is is very much masked in narcissism. They're not going to come out and say that they're insecure, but their grandiose behavior, you know, the ways that they put on a, a mask for other people is hiding this deep insecurity. Yeah. And I think that's coming later in the cheating formula is this kind of more ego-based behavior, the power trip, the conquering that is also a possibility in this formula, but that isn't always connected to narcissism. I have a question for you, which is that with BPD particularly, I understand that, you know, you follow this cycle of like real idealization. You really feel like, oh my God, you like attach onto one person and one thing and one idea and you become so obsessed with it. And I guess that to some extent you do that with narcissism too in the beginning, right? They idealize you and they love bomb you. My question for you is for the people that do have the psychological traits, the personality disorders for repeated cheating, the narcissism, the BPD... Do you think that with the narcissist, it's that they feel like they're entitled to do that because they're superior to everyone in their eyes, so they can just do whatever the fuck they want? And then with BPD, do you feel like sometimes they just get so swept up in the emotional roller coaster of like, oh my God, this is my person. I found my person. I have to be with this person. Do you see like it kind of ties into idealization for both of them, but with the narcissist, it's like a ton more entitled and maybe like with the sociopath, for example, like they just have no empathy whatsoever. So they just like would never think or feel like, oh, I'm going to hurt someone by doing this. Do you see similarities through all of them, but it being slightly nuanced for each personality disorder? Yes. Yeah. I think you described it pretty well there. So there is that entitlement with narcissists. Again, narcissists don't love, they control and dominate. And they use people for their own supply. Poor impulse control, you know, lack of empathy, going outside of the relationship to solve a problem. With BPD, there's less entitlement. It's more coping behavior. So they're in the moment trying to make themselves feel better, which is also true for narcissism. But again, there's that pattern of the lack of empathy and that grandiosity, which is not really a part of borderline personality disorder. Yeah. So in episodes 11, we discussed basically Khloe Kardashian's unconscious and involuntary attraction to someone like Tristan Thompson, who does fit within this category of a repeat cheater, someone with a personality disorder, a narcissist. So definitely go and listen to that episode. And in episode 47, Terry and I also basically dig into narcissism more. So I think just to wrap up this first section of yes, repeat cheaters, you really have to understand what you're looking for. It's very, very hard. Like Terry, said a ton of it can be masked particularly by the narcissist they know exactly what they're doing so I think prevention is always better than cure please head over to listen to those episodes so you can really understand this first section on repeat cheaters now second up in this category of issues and challenges from within the cheater is the power trip Now, this is one that I'm really obsessed with because I feel like we dug into it a lot or I dug into it a lot when M. Ratatowski got cheated on by her husband. I think his name was Sebastian Beer or something like that. Because everyone was saying, oh my God, you know, initially they were saying, oh my God, if she can get cheated on, anyone can get cheated on. 
But then what happened was when that narrative calmed slightly was people started to look into a little bit more of the psychology behind the type of man she'd married and also how underneath that huge ego behind the big, rich, successful, powerful man, there's often the insecure man, like the little insecure man that hides underneath. And I think with the wounded masculine, what we see is instead of them saying like, wow, I really have some issues here and I don't feel like I'm worthy of you. Like you're a fucking superstar or you're amazing. What they actually go and do is they cheat to make themselves feel better, to make themselves feel more powerful. I'd love your thoughts on that and how like this power trip and the ego can basically tie into this section of cheating because of issues from within. Yeah, I'm trying to piece this apart from the narcissism. Like I'm trying to think, could somebody have this like deep insecurity and ego issues and therefore like look for power by cheating or, you know, not thinking of their partner and going outside of the relationship and not be a narcissist. I think that would be pretty rare. So I think this is falling into the same category because if somebody is trying to make themselves feel more powerful because of their insecurity, I'm just trying to think if that could fall outside of narcissism. That's a tricky one. I think it's so interesting you say that because actually what came out last week was she did an interview on another podcast and she basically said, yeah, there was so many things that went on behind the scenes that no one saw and it was really abusive and really toxic. So you're right, actually, that like probably there was some kind of narcissistic abuse going on there. And again, who who are we to judge this, just hypothetically speaking? So I think that's really interesting. And I also think that now I look back, like, you know, I talk about my ex that I'm pretty sure was a narcissist years and years and years ago. And it was, everything was about him, so much superiority, like everything was about money and the Rolexes on his wrist and all of that. I don't think he cheated on me, but like if he did, it really, really would not have surprised me whatsoever because he just would have been like, yeah, and what? So yeah, that's really interesting to think that actually this power trip and the ego piece probably ties into the repeat cheater. But I think what's interesting is where we do sort of tread that fine line between the narcissist on the power trip and the person with the low self-esteem, with the insecurity, who has a need for validation. Like, these are different things and you can have low self-esteem and cheat because someone's attention and validation makes you feel better about yourself. And that's definitely the category that I fitted into when I was like much, much younger, but it doesn't necessarily make you a narcissist because obviously there's so many other traits that come with narcissism. So I'd love to understand from you why you think it is that if you have low self-esteem, you might be more likely to cheat. Yes. I agree with all of that. So if you have low self-esteem, you're more susceptible to cheat because you're more susceptible to being drawn in by somebody who is validating you or giving you attention, right? If we have low self-esteem, we are constantly looking to other people for information about our worth. And if that is where we're at and there's somebody outside of the relationship that maybe is giving us more attention than our partner or is just giving us attention that feels good, our low self-esteem and that need for external validation may lead us outside of the relationship because that need is so strong. And again, that doesn't mean there's a lack of empathy, you know, all these narcissistic traits that can go along with that. Those don't need to be there. The low self-esteem, just like you're saying, Louise, can be enough to make you susceptible to cheating. 
Yeah. And I think that's exactly why I cheated when I was younger. Like there was no superiority about it. There was no entitlement. There was no like, oh, I can do this because I'm great or because he's not great. Like it was nothing to do with that. And, you know, I definitely hit other boxes in this formula that we're going to go through. But I think at the foundation of it was like, I had such a fragile sense of self. Like I came from a childhood where I don't think I ever really felt like particularly loved or or great. And I think I had such low self-esteem and I think everything in my teenage years was always like a fight, you know, the fight to be the best at ballet, the best at gymnastics. Like, yeah, I was in the cool group and like, yeah, I had great friends, but I think underneath it all, there was just a low self-esteem, which, which came from childhood. And so the second that like a hot, attractive man showed me any attention, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And then mix that in with being inebriated. It's like no control, which we're also going to get to later. Plus low self-esteem and validation from outside of you. It's like a recipe for disaster. So yeah, just to summarize this section so far, with these issues and challenges from within, we've spoken about the repeat cheaters and the personality disorders and the narcissism and the BPD and the ego and the power trip. We've also spoken about the low self-esteem. Now, another thing that I want to touch on here is like this concept of involuntary attraction, unconscious attraction that we learn in childhood. But we often don't talk about like how a learned behavior around cheating and infidelity in childhood can actually show up later on in a relationship. I just love your thoughts on how that can be connected to actually being more likely to cheat or being involved in infidelity later on in adult life. Yeah, I think it can go one of two ways. So if you grew up with parents or caregivers who cheated or had some kind of cheating happening that you witnessed and had a big imprint on you as a child, you're likely to go one of three ways. You're likely to be very hypervigilant and distrustful about cheating or partners until you do the work. You are likely to choose partners who are going to replicate that and cheat on you. Because again, like it's been imprinted on you and we repeat cycles that we know, or you are likely to cheat. Three people could behave very differently and show up very differently in their relationships. When you're dating someone or in a relationship with someone, you want to ask them about their childhood. Obviously, you want to get to know what their parents were like, what their childhood was like, what their past relationships were like. If they've cheated before, again, be curious about it. Find out why and what are their thoughts about cheating? Because for some people, their beliefs around cheating have been normalized. You know, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's hard to say. But you either are going to be probably someone who doesn't cheat, is very hypervigilant about it, or you're going to be somebody who cheats if this showed up in your childhood. Yeah, I think that's really interesting about how you can have this learned behavior from childhood. And I know once that I dated a guy who I've referenced before, who his mom was cheating on his dad and as a child and in adulthood, he just hated women so much. Like it was just so clear. Like he'd never say, oh, I hate women. It just was so clear. He didn't respect them. He just wasn't very nice to them. So I got out of that one pretty quickly, but not after sleeping with him, obviously. (laughs) Got that part in first. Um, (laughs) But I want to ask you whether self-sabotage classifies as within this section as an issue from within. Because I think for those of us who don't do it, it seems like a really weird behavior. Like, why would you ruin something good by fucking it up? Okay, so let's start with that, the self-sabotage, which can definitely happen. 
And self-sabotaging is not conscious and it comes from fear, right? So if we were wired in childhood to believe that healthy love doesn't exist, we are not lovable, love can't last, love is chaotic, love is pain, whatever it is that we learned about love in those formative years, we will play that out. And it's like, again, we've talked about this scenario. I think I've used this metaphor before, but telling someone, hey, you you are lovable. You can be loved. This relationship can continue and be happy and safe. To somebody who has never experienced that kind of safe, secure attachment and love and consistent caring and emotional attunement in childhood, It's like asking them to jump off a high dive into a swimming pool that they can't see. And you're telling them, no, there's water in there. But to them, they don't see any water. So again, so many of our adult relationships are us trying to complete a cycle that has not been completed for us. And the only way to really complete it is to do the inner healing work on our own, you know, or to lean into doing that in a relationship. It's not about meeting the right person. So long story short, we self-sabotage because we don't really believe we can have what we want. And so we keep ourselves from it because we feel like we're protecting ourselves from ultimate pain, despair, rejection. That makes so much sense. It's basically like the ultimate avoidance of true intimacy, right? If I sabotage against this, then I never have to experience true intimacy because I don't know how to, I don't know how to handle that and I've never been able to handle it. So I'm just going to not handle it. And I know that by cheating on someone, I'm going to fuck everything up. So that is, that is really, really interesting. And yeah, I think particularly as well, if people have been cheated on in their past relationships that must be quite a difficult thing to deal with. Like you can understand how like if someone's been cheated on and you're not able to have those conversations about why you're scared and anxious and nervous, the whole relationship could be very, very tricky because you're just constantly paranoid that the other person is going to cheat on you. So I definitely think that that takes some work and maybe that's something that we could talk about at some point. But let's wrap up why you cheat issues from within with the final point, which is, this inability or fear and refusal to have difficult conversations or to bring up issues and to ask for what you want or to share what you're feeling. Now, how do you see this works in practice? Is it that people are so uncomfortable to have uncomfortable conversations that they just don't and then they go and do things that are kind of reckless and stupid and then everything comes crashing down? I think the easy way to say this is that sometimes people try to solve relationship problems by going outside of the relationship. So what does that mean? You know, if they are feeling scared, hurt, resentful, angry about something happening in the relationship, they don't know how to bring that to the relationship or they feel like that's not okay to bring to the relationship. So they don't. Instead, they go outside of the relationship and try to make themselves feel better. Sometimes that's by cheating or talking to somebody else, which is never going to work. So it's really about learning how to communicate your needs, your feelings about issues, even though it might be really terrifying, uncomfortable, awkward, If you don't learn how to do that, you're never going to be able to resolve issues in the relationship. 
Yeah, I think it just ties back to that point about radical transparency that I spoke about at the beginning, which is that it is so difficult to have these conversations. Like, I'm not saying it's easy to go to your partner and to say, I met someone at work that I literally can't stop thinking about. And I wanted to communicate this with you because I'm worried that it might snowball into something else. Can we sit with this and look at where this is coming from? And is it something that's an unmet need in our relationship that's driving this? Is it something within me that's driving it? Like, I'm not saying these are easy conversations to have. These are fucking self-aware conversations that are going to be incredibly painful. But I truly believe that if, I was about to say, if we're going to get through 40 years of marriage, like that's a really bad thing for me to say. But I genuinely feel like by 40 years, you must be so bored of the other person. And I know this is obviously is my own issues that I'm sure we can dig into at some point. But what I have concluded is that through therapy is that like two things. One, you have to build a conscious partnership. You have to work at that partnership constantly to ensure that that relationship maintains communication and connection and intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, stimulation from different sources, keeping things fresh. And the second one is conversation, being able to have these conversations to help navigate this life together, to avoid getting to a point where you're bored, to avoid getting to a point where one of you wants to cheat on the other. So yeah, I just think I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. Yeah, I agree. The one thing that I want to add is I do not think every thought you have about someone else, every attraction you feel towards someone else needs to be brought to the relationship. So I would just encourage people to really ask themselves, is this something for me to look at and process? And why am I bringing it to the relationship? I just want you to be really honest with yourself. Am I bringing this to the relationship out of an ego need? Because I want my partner to know someone flirted with me or I want to keep them on their toes, right? That's very different than what you're talking about, Louise. Like if there literally is someone you've met that you can't quit thinking about, that is a problem. So talking about that in the relationship. But every time you meet somebody cute at work, you don't need to bring that into the relationship because that's just going to breed insecurity. Does that difference make sense? Totally. And that's why I think it's so important to have a therapist if you have the beautiful opportunity to, is that there are so many things that will come up within us constantly. And like Terry said, you don't need to bring everything to the table, but it is really important to work through those things and to process them. And I think that that's where having either a self-aware, healthy friend is great. But honestly, I would always say a therapist, like friends are biased, friends aren't qualified. I really, really think it's important to have a space where you can bring anything to the table. It doesn't matter whether it's just the hot person at work, whatever it is. I think having a therapist to work through stuff, if you have the opportunity to, is really, really healthy. I would just say, you know, if you are someone that continues to be in relationships where you are cheated on, please listen to these episodes because there is something in this pattern that you need to become aware of. And you do not deserve to be cheated on. If that's happening for you, something needs to shift. Mm. Yeah. And I think the perfect place to wrap this up is to understand, as Terry said, is that yes, cheating can be a pattern, right? It can be a behavioral pattern that you need to get on top of, whether it's you being the cheater or your partner, but it also can be a one-time thing. And no matter what it is, it's really, really important to understand what is driving it. So I really hope that you can use this as a portal just to kind of look into this a bit deeper. This isn't 
you cheat or you don't cheat. It's so multifaceted. It's driven by so many things from you, from the relationship, from outside of you. So yeah, delivering this episode with love and compassionate inquiry, whether you are the cheat or whether you've been cheated on, to ask yourself, how did I get here? How many signs did I ignore before this happened? And what do I need to do to make sure that I can avoid this situation ever happening again? Breaking cycles is what Dr. Terry and I are here to support you on. And I think breaking the cheating cycle is is one that people don't talk about. So yeah, love you guys. Bye.